three coins in a fountain, each one seeking happiness. You know this? Seeking happiness. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. Thanks for being here and listening. And thanks for your votes for this podcast in the Columbus Podcast Awards. Voting is still live for another couple weeks. It's open until August 7th, 2021. You can vote at columbuspodcastawards.com slash nominations or click the link in the show notes. A couple quick notes about the show. As we finish up this second season of the podcast, I'll be taking a small break for the next few weeks, and I'll be selecting some of my favorite episodes and rebroadcasting those, and then I'll be rejoining you on August 23rd with a brand new episode in the beginning of our third season of the show. If you could help us out by going to iTunes, that's the Purple Icon podcast app, and giving this podcast a quick rating and review And that's like the easiest, cheapest, best way you can help out my endeavors with this project. I greatly appreciate it. I also want to say this week's topic is one that has been researched by a lot of people who do this sort of thing. It's a story about American coins. And I know from my father and my father-in-law, both knowing a lot about coins, that it really is a science. So if I get anything wrong in this episode, write in and let me know. I would love to hear from you and I'd love to correct it. With all that said, let's learn about this week's topic. Hey, Michael, this is Sean. The very first coin that was minted in the United States had the words, mind your business, on it. I thought that would be a good show topic. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. This is the kind of thing I love for this podcast because it sounds fake. Well, it turns out it isn't. Like Sean said, this is a real thing, and I spent the week researching it. Every American knows who Benjamin Franklin was. A man so important, he's one of only two non-presidents to be featured on U.S. paper currency. He was an inventor, a writer, a diplomat, a scientist, a statesman, and most notably, one of the few men responsible for drafting America's Declaration of Independence in 1776. He was the only person to have signed all four major founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Treaty of Alliance with France, the Treaty of Paris, and the United States Constitution. But there's something that Ben Franklin did that not as many people are familiar with. He was an artist and designer of American money. About a decade after the founding of the new nation, a problem was arising. There were a lot of counterfeit and lightweight copper pennies in circulation. States were minting their own pennies, and because of the inconsistency and weight, and because of counterfeiting, Businesses were losing money accepting these coins, which would occasionally be accepted as less than face value. This was hurting the economy of the 13 original states. To fight the problem, the Continental Congress of the Confederation decided on a resolution in 1787. It was for the contract to mint a national copper cent. About 10 weeks after the resolution was signed, a design had been approved for the coin. The reverse of the coin, that's a numismatic term for the back of the coin, would have an unbroken chain with 13 links representing the colonies. In the center of that, the words, We are one. The obverse, or front of the coin, would feature a prominent sundial with a sun shining down on it. On the right, the date 1787, even though all of these coins were actually struck in 1788. And on the left, the word fugio. This is a Latin word meaning 
I fly, and is apparently a reference to time flying by and the coin flying across the sky represented by the sun and the sundial. But perhaps the most interesting part of the coin to me are the big letters on the bottom under the sundial. The words, mind your business. I'll explain all about that and about how these coins were only made possible due to a notorious counterfeiter after a short break. There's a program I've been doing for a few years where everything I spend, it automatically rounds to the nearest dollar, takes that little amount of change, and throws it into a savings account. It's called Acorns, and it's actually pretty awesome. If you're not the best at taking money out of your accounts for savings, this is a great way to do it a little bit each day without ever thinking about it. It's ridiculously easy to use, and it shows you how much you've saved and how much you'll have. It's kind of amazing how you don't realize how these little amounts add up, and it's all under your control. You can link it to whatever cards you want, and it just happens. If you use my link in the show notes to join, it'll start you off with $10 invested in your account for free, just for doing nothing but signing up. So the link is in the show notes. Check out Acorns. Believe it or not, virtual presentations are not going anywhere. I just booked another one, uh, another virtual show. This time, actually, they want a pre-recorded virtual show, but they want it to feel professional. They, want it, they, they told me they want it to feel like a magician doing magic on America's Got Talent. And the only way that I am able to do that is because of the skills that I learned during the pandemic. Not everyone has the time that I had to learn that. So I've partnered with Virtual Presenter Course. This is an online course. It will teach you everything you need to know to make your virtual presentations stand out. Even if you're just attending Zoom meetings and you want to look professional, everything from lighting to sound to snazzy virtual backgrounds and more. If you are not computer savvy and you want to look good, this is how you do it. Uh, and I'm going to get you 20% off your order. You go to virtualpresentercourse.com 30. The discount will automatically be applied. The link is also in the show notes. I promise you're going to love Virtual Presenter Course. I have been following Scotty Vest on Facebook. It's a clothing company that I believe in. They're all about transparency and honesty with their customers. I really like the brand and their values. From lightweight shirts to hoodies to jackets, their clothes are packed with pockets, even like smart RFID blocking pockets. They're designed with commuting in mind. Give them a look. It's scottyvest.com. And by listening to this show, you get 15% off your order. Just enter the promo code TELLME, T-E-L-L-M-E, all one word. That's scottyvest.com, promo code TELLME. Let's get back to the show. Eric Newman was a numismatist who wrote several books about the Fugio scent. And in them, he was able to show that the design of this copper coin was the handiwork of Benjamin Franklin. Franklin was known for several of these mottos and designs, like the 13 chain links. It's also very similar to a dollar coin that Franklin had designed in 1776 for the new nation, but was never circulated. But why the words, mind your business? It seems weird to have that on a coin. Well, when the coin was designed in 1787, this phrase didn't mean what it means today. Today, when we use the phrase, we obviously mean stop being nosy. But Benjamin Franklin meant mind your business quite literally, as in pay attention to your business. Business literally meaning business. Among all those things I listed about what Ben Franklin was, he was a businessman with a strong work ethic. These coins reflect that ethic. Mind your business. The story of how these first coins were minted is rather interesting as well. 
The United States Mint wasn't established until 1792, so how did they mint this first national cent? Well, the Congress of the Confederation asked for bids on striking the coins and several copper makers came forward they wanted to make these coins. The contract went to a man named James Jarvis in Connecticut. Connecticut had opened the first state mint in 1785, and Jarvis owned a controlling interest in that company. It was called the Company for Coining Coppers. And in true fashion of politics in America, he won the contract by bribing the head of the Treasury Board, William Durer, with $10,000. Durer was the assistant to the treasurer, and he was an old family friend of Jarvis, so he was awarded the contract, and he started the process of constructing the dies to make the coin. To carve and build these dies, he looked to a man who was missing part of his ear and had a small C branded into his forehead. The reason for these disfigurements was this man, Abel Buell, was a known counterfeiter. He had been caught counterfeiting five-pound notes, and his punishment was lopping off the top of one of his ears and then branding him with a letter describing his crime. This is what they did back then. He set up the dies and began striking the coins. Along with the help of an enslaved man named Aaron, several children, a freed black man, and others. It was a group effort to get these coins made, and the problem became apparent quickly. The coinage requested by the contract required 300 tons of copper. There wasn't 300 tons of copper in the United States. He had put his father-in-law, Samuel Broom, in charge of mining additional copper, but it wasn't very successful. After Jarvis's mint produced 1,200 pounds of coins, they ran out. This was a problem, not only for the nation, not only for Jarvis, but for the treasury. Jarvis had been given the first chunk of copper and he never paid the federal government back for it. Ultimately, he fled to Europe to look for more copper and to escape his troubles. Eventually, Abel Buell fled to England as well. Now, a neat note about him, he eventually returned and is credited for printing the first U.S. map, but unfortunately, he died penniless. Jarvis's father-in-law, however, Samuel Broom, continued to mint coins at the Connecticut Mint, but he started making them lighter and thinner. In the end, he made about 400,000 Fugio cents. This was four tons of copper instead of the 300 tons. The Fugio cents never did see a whole lot of circulation. There was a huge devaluation of copper and there just weren't enough coins to be in large use anyway. The population of the country at that time was just under 4 million people, so there just weren't enough of these coins to be effective. Today, collectors pay up to $10,000 for a Fugio cent. Only 3,811 have been officially cataloged and graded. In 1926, a secret stash of these coins was found. They had been stored away in 1788. Those several thousand coins represent the largest chunk of the Fugio coins that are now owned, and they are in near-mint condition. So who owns them? How do you get one? I think there's a saying about that from one of our founding fathers and from modern numismatists. Mind your business. Now, it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling author and head comedy writer at Shadowbox Live, Jimmy Mack. Jimmy joined us last season for the Star Trek episode about the Vulcan greeting, and he was kind enough to agree to do the podcast again. Jimmy Mack, welcome back to the podcast. 
Thank you, you, Michael. It is always a pleasure to be here with you. You were on the show when we we did an episode about the, the Vulcan greeting, the Vulcan salute. That's right. And actually, I, I coincidentally wore this shirt today. It says it says red shirt. It's a Star Trek shirt. It says red shirt. I might not make it, uh, which with, is more of a that's a, obviously an original series problem because they all wore red. A lot of the all of the senior command wore red shirts in the next generation. And they lived. They lived through every yeah. episode. Uh, I am on season, I believe, five of the next generation now. Oh, wow. So I've been making it through. I started in the pandemic with the original series and I make it through whenever I have a, a minute to watch an episode. So there have been some amazing episodes recently. Yeah. Uh, just, just incredible. Uh, I'm really enjoying it with this podcast this week. Won't have anything to do with anything that's in either of our wheelhouses. Okay. So, which I thought could be fun. Uh, this isn't stuff that anyone would ever know. Now, before we get into that, Shadowbox is opening back up. That's right. We are open. Yeah, uh, you are open. We are open, yes. Yeah, we are at a limited capacity compared to um, before the shutdown, um, but we're slowly expanding and we've been selling out and the audiences have been great and it's been wonderful to be back. So if you're listening and you're not in the central Ohio area, Shadowbox Live is sort of like a cabaret theater, sketch comedy, rock and roll. They also do dramatic performance. It's 100%. This, these sketch comedy rock and roll shows are 100% original sketches, uh, most of them written by Jimmy. Um, but all of the people that are in the show are also in the band and also serving your food and fixing your food and everything. Uh, it's quite a place. And it's been in business for how many years now? So, uh, they started, I joined in 96. I think they were around a couple of years before that too. So around like 94, 93, something like that. So, I mean, that's literally like, like eight years, 10, 12, <laughs> 12. Yeah. It's a long time. Uh, it's a long time. What literally it means. <laughs> literally. That's one of, one of Jimmy's pet peeves is when people use the word literally for things that are not literally. Uh, so this is literally going to be the hardest quiz you've ever taken. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> this, this first question, if you get this question wrong, you have to change your Facebook profile picture to a television character of my choice. Oh, man. Okay. All right. That's so there's high stakes on this. Uh, and just for a day, just for one day. Okay. <laughs> uh, and that, that television character is E.B. Farnham from Deadwood. Oh, nice. Okay. That's fine. Not nice. He's horrible. I know. He's a horrible, horrible. <laughs> but he makes me laugh every time. Every time. This is why I texted you yesterday and I said, do you, you watched Deadwood, right? And you said, uh, not only did I watch Deadwood, but I, I was there. Yeah. You were like in Deadwood a week yeah, and a half yeah. ago. Yeah. So here's your question. Before the U.S. Mint was established, the first coin put into circulation was designed by Benjamin Franklin, and a very small amount were made. It was called the Fugio Cent, and it had a somewhat strange phrase on the coin. Which one of these was that phrase? A. Mind your business. B. You're gonna pay. Or C. The king sucks. <laughs> um. I'm going to go with mind your business. You are correct. Yes. You do not have to change your profile picture to Mayor Farnham. You're yes. going to you're going to keep your own profile picture on there. Uh, yeah, it was it was the words mind your business. Now, back then in 1787, it did not mean what we use mind your business to mean today. It meant more literally like 
take care of your affairs. Um, you know, Benjamin Franklin was a businessman. He was business minded. He wanted people to be responsible with their money. And so that's what was a thing that he thought should be on the scent. And he also loved a good fart joke. So God love him. Is that right? Is there oh, a yeah. Benjamin? Is there a Benjamin Franklin fart joke or is just just fart humor in general that he, he was just loved fart humor in general? Yeah. If you read about his sense of humor, he was uh, he was pretty much in the gutter all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, work hard, play have, hard is what I say. I think you would have loved Shadowbox. Yeah, probably, probably would have. All right. So you're one for one. Question two. For this question, we're playing for something fun. If you get it right, I'll tell you the worst bit I ever wrote for my show. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me the worst sketch you've ever written for Shadowbox. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> this one is another multiple choice question. As of 2020, how much does it cost the United States to make a penny? Here are your choices. A, seven-tenths of a cent. B, 1.76 cents. Or C, 3.25 cents. I'm going to go with B. 1.76 cents? Yeah. You are correct. You're yes. two for two. Yes. Lincoln cents have a composition of 2.5% copper. They're only 2.5% copper. The balance is zinc. Uh, and nickels cost 7.62 cents to make. And all the other coins that we make actually make a profit. Uh, they, they're cheaper to produce than they are worth. So, uh, yeah, but those two coins, pennies and nickels, are, are expensive. Apparently, we should we should not be using them. I, when was the last time you actually do you use change like pocket change? I used um, change the other day for a meter, actually. So that's oh, probably, but that's but that's probably the first time I've done that in quite a while. Yeah, I don't even use them in meters anymore because all the meters are now, you know, you just pay on you get the app and you pay on your phone. Uh, yeah. And I just had like, I don't even know what like, you know, you throw it in your car, you have the change. And when I put up to the meter. There was already time on it and I only needed like another probably 10 or 15 minutes to add on. So I just grabbed a couple quarters from the car and, and it worked out perfectly. I use change uh, occasionally in like toll booths. That's about the only time because I have time to look, you know, if, especially if it's the kind with the ticket where you get the ticket and then you drive for three hours, you have time to look at that ticket and see how much you're going to owe. Right, right. So I have time to dig through the bottom of my console in my car and find the correct change. But you use change in your act a lot, right? I don't. Uh, well, okay. So in my strolling, like close-up magic, I use. I wouldn't even call it change because the coins that I'm using aren't heavily circulated coins. You know, I okay. use Morgan dollars. They're real Morgan dollars. They're they're mostly silver, uh, and they're usually coins that no one has ever seen. So they just probably assume they're magic coins. Uh, <laughs> but I do. You know, I do magic. I can do magic with quarters and half dollars and stuff sure. too. It's just that's not normally what I do. Now, if you if you gave me some pocket change and said, here, do magic, I could. Um, or I would just throw it in your face and say, but where did the, where did the pennies come from? Nice try, Michael. I'm not giving you my change, buddy. <laughs> this is my way of, of begging for, <laughs> for spare change. I'll show you some magic if you give me the pocket change. <laughs> That's how I do it. All right. I have to tell you a story about my worst bit. Um, yes, so I was big, like heavy into the Golden Girls. This was like 15 years ago. And I did a bit where I, I had eight by tens of all the gold, Golden Girls and I was making a prediction of which Golden Girl, the, per, the guy that I brought on stage had uh, romantic feelings for. Uh, and like I said, if you, if you had romantic feelings for one of these Golden Girls, I want you to you know, choose one that it would be. And then I would make a prediction. And no matter what, 
he would end up choosing uh, Sophia. Okay. But but the audience saw that I chose Blanche, which is the obvious choice, right? Right. So the audience saw that I chose Blanche, but the but the person on stage didn't. And I put that up there, uh, you know, like uh, I hung the prediction up. And so he would choose Sophia. And so the joke was on me, right? Like that I made the wrong prediction. And then my prediction would end up changing to Sophia. It's it's an old magic plot called uh, called the McComical prediction. It's an old it's an old thing. But uh, I, you know, adapted it to use eight by tens of the Golden Girls thinking everyone loves the Golden Girls. Right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I was sorely mistaken. <laughs> So uh, I think I performed that once, maybe twice. And it wasn't like a lot of times if a, if a routine bombs, I'll, I'll try it again and change some stuff on it. But that was one of those where it was like the crickets were deafening. So I said, this is not a good bit. Wow. So, so, so there was no thank you for being a friend with that bit, I guess. There, well, not literally, but I did play the theme song. Oh, uh, gotcha. And I don't even think they knew what that was. They were like, what is this weird music <laughs> playing? I okay. thought that there was a cult following uh, for the Golden Girls that was ubiquitous, and I was I was wrong. I think you might be right. I just don't think they go to magic shows. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe <laughs> maybe that Venn diagram is two circles. <laughs> All right. Question three. For this okay. question, we're playing for a coveted "The Internet Says It's True" sticker. One of these okay. guys. Uh, this is a three by three matte finish, heavy duty sticker. I mean, this you stick this sucker on your water bottle and you can wash it in the sink. Wow. Uh, so, and, I will, and I will do that if I win it. Yeah, I've got I, I do stickers on water bottles and then, you know, like I'll put the Ohio I, I voted sticker on there and they're paper based. And so, you know, you wash them a couple of times and then you just got sticker residue. But this sticker, the Internet says it's true. Man, that is meant for a water bottle. I want it. I want it. <laughs> on the penny, the face of Abraham Lincoln faces right while the faces on all the other major coins that we use in circulation face left. Which is the real reason for that? A, it depicts Lincoln looking to the future and as an homage to his bringing the country through the Civil War. B, it was just the way the original art was created. Or C, it was Lincoln's request to always be depicted looking right. I'm going to go with the easy answer of B. Holy cow, that was a hard one, and you got it right, too. Oh, my God, uh, yes! I thought I made that answer really hard, because those all, all those answers seem totally plausible to me. What uh, made you go toward, so, yeah, it was, the, it was the original art, that's the way it was created. What made you go for that? I don't know. I, I, felt like the, I felt like they all, the other two were actually really logical, and the middle one wasn't, and that's why I went there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So from what I've read, Abraham Lincoln faces a different direction on the penny because the penny is an adaptation of a plaque by Victor David Brenner. Uh, the illustration was placed on the penny as a result of President Theodore Roosevelt's love for Brenner's work. Uh, Roosevelt recommended to have the illustration placed on the penny during Lincoln's centennial year of 1909. So, uh, yeah. And now there are other coins where the the figurehead on the 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 coin looks right but none of the ones that we use you know in none of the ones that are in everyday's pocket everyone's pocket paying tolls uh just the penny 
see, my dad would have like, my dad's a giant coin collector and he would have known all of these without thinking about it. But I didn't, I didn't know any of this going in. I just want to know that. I'm, I'm with you. Um, my dad and my father-in-law are both uh, what you would call numismatists. Yes. And uh, that's a word that I only know because of them. And, uh, <laughs> and in sure. any case, that's why the, the penny phase is right. So next time you pay a, a toll, you can tell the, the toll booth that I don't know why you would have a no, strike. Well, they're, they're always eager to talk to me. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that conversation. <laughs> I always say I'm always nice to toll booth operators because I feel like no one is nice to those folks. And I'm, so I always go out of my way to, I know I'm not being like, Hey, how's your day? You know, I'm not, I'm not like, what'd you have for dinner? I'm not like totally striking up a, like an open-ended conversation, but I will thank them and tell them hello. See, my Instead wife of, yells at me because I like to talk to our Uber drivers and um, she's like, they don't want to talk to you, sweetheart. Like, just stop, you know, because I'll be like, <laughs> I don't know if I agree with Lydia on this one. Uh, I think that Uber drivers kind of that comes with the territory when you're okay. stuck in a car. It's almost awkward if there is no conversation. Now, there can be too much. <laughs> that's probably where I come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but usually it's on the case of the driver that's talking too much, not the person in the back. <laughs> All right. So uh, you're you're killing it, man. You're three for three. I'm acing this, man. Now, for question four, we're playing for five Twitter followers. Okay. Now, your Twitter game is pretty strong. If you get it right, I have to get you five more Twitter followers. If you get it wrong, you've got to get me five. Um, now, how many do you know how many Twitter followers you have just offhand? Uh, around I think it's 10,000. 10, 10,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. I think that's probably close to that's about double what I have. Uh, and so five of them you can okay. just sort of peel off and 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 send them my way if you, okay. if you miss this one the fugio coin this was the first coin put into circulation this is the one that we were talking about that says mind your business okay. uh, it has the motto we are one struck into the middle of the reverse of the coin after the 1787 constitution was ratified in 1788 a new official motto was decided on for coins what was that motto now, I have three multiple choices, but I think you might be able to get this one without them. Yeah, e pluribus unum. Is that right? That would be the one, and you are correct, and you are four for four. Oh um, for, for bonus points, what does that mean? What's that Latin for? Uh, out of many, one. Jeez, Jimmy, you're, you're killing this game. You're <laughs> killing this game. Are these questions just too easy? I, no, no. I even had multiple choices. One. Here were the multiple choices. They were going to be e pluribus unum, in God We Trust, or The King Sucks. Those were the three. <laughs> if, I, if we do this again, I just want to answer The King Sucks for all of them. For all, <laughs> for all of them. Yeah. Man, four for four, uh, and I've got to get you five more Twitter followers, which yeah. will not be difficult. Question five. This one is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show, never to be asked on again. Okay. What is the coolest fact that you've learned recently? Uh, it's funny you ask that because I was writing a play recently and one of the characters I decided would just be full of useless knowledge. Like that was his thing. So I've been, that's kind of what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. I think my favorite fact that I found is about Pez Candy. Do you know anything about Pez Candy? I don't know much about it, but I, I'm embarrassed to say I buy it five pounds at a time. Okay, no, they shouldn't be embarrassed. But Pez Candy was designed uh, as a, an alternative for cigarette smoking. They wanted to stop people smoking cigarettes. And so the first design was like a lighter. 
And so they would flick it like a lighter and the candy would come out. And that's what they wanted you to do instead of smoking cigarettes. Now, so that before- actually makes a lot of sense. Um, but I, I'm going to say I don't use the dispensers. I don't like them. Oh, wow. So I you would don't go like, so- like Darth, Darth Vader's neck bone. You don't want to eat that. I don't collect them. Uh, I don't I don't want them. I don't need a step between me and and Pez candy. There is something about Pez candy. It's probably nostalgia that I absolutely love. And I really do. I have a um, I have like an old style apothecary candy jar on my desk, you know, Uh with the like the lid that's the silver lid that screws off. And I fill it with with Pez specifically. Sometimes I just buy bags of grape Pez. Just you can buy a five pound bag of grape Pez on Amazon. You can buy anything on Amazon because that guy, listen, we need to send him to, to space. And so if you, if you're going to buy Pez, buy Bezo Pez. I honestly don't think I've met anyone that eats Pez without the dispenser, because I think for most people, the dispenser is, is what makes the fun of it. Like, and you just like the taste of the, I don't, I don't need it to be fun. <laughs> Uh, and it used to be, I can tell you, I've been doing this so long that there used to be a system where you would hold the sleeve of the, the paper sleeve of the Pez and then use your little finger to push the silver, right. the foil wrapped Pez part out and then unwrap it. And it was nice because then you could close it back up much like an expensive candy bar, put it back in the, in the paper sleeve. But now it's all one, right? The, 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 the color and the silver is all together. And so now my method is a little different. Now I break it in the middle and then use one half to tear down the other half. And then I eat from the middle out. There's a whole system. I, I'm so glad that my random fact was about Pez so that we could have this conversation. I'm, I'm so glad that I'm able to sort of confess this to someone. <laughs> I can, listen, I, I hate that I keep saying listen, but that's, what, that's this word that I use when I get real authoritative about a subject. Listen, Jimmy. Yes. If you want to talk Pez... We can talk about <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Listen, son. <laughs> this has gotten so dumb. Jimmy Mac, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone, I, go go follow Jimmy Mac on Twitter. It's J I M M Y M A K one, the number one after Mac. Jimmy Mac. Also buy his book. It's called Daddy's Shouldn't Break Dance. It's a really funny autobiography. You should read it. He's been blocked by Scott Baio. When you've been blocked by Scott Baio, you know that you're on top of things. (laughs) Michael, it was a pleasure, and I had a blast, as I always do, and we hang out. Well, that is all for this week. Thanks to Sean for the show topic and Jimmy Mack for being my guest. The next three weeks are going to be rebroadcasts of three of my favorite shows that we've done here, and then I will be back with a brand new show for season three after that. The following recording is actually a recording of Ben Franklin as a child. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, Please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new. 
if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Ford, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, Josh Van Allen, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Cooper Cannell. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use, Title 17, USC, Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Kent. 